Well, as Pastor already mentioned, we're um, starting a series on bridge building. You know, in relationships, um, let me just say this. I have, I'm starting off tonight with all my pages of notes, <laughs> which was last time, last message. And then the few before that, I was complaining about glasses, and I have glasses. So, you know, I have no excuse tonight to get through this message and to um, try and still let you out early here tonight if we can. So, glad you're here on a Mother's Day evening. I trust you had a great day and good time with family today. We're talking about bridge building. Relationships, we often focus on differences. And outside these walls, it's easy to look at other people and even search out differences, isn't it? You know, when you think of people not like you, not like us, uh, maybe it's economic differences, political differences, um, social differences. I mean, even, even cars and clothes, you name it, education. It's easy to search out differences and just um, not really work to establish and build relationships, but, but kind of we let ourselves off the hook by just searching out differences. In church settings, you know, we're looking for doctrinal differences, different standards or convictions. They're just, again, so many different things that we look at as different. It's important to understand, as Christians, we're to look for the things that we have in common and to embrace unity. That's our responsibility. In John chapter 13, Christ said, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. In other words, Christ was a bridge builder. And he asked us to follow his example. You know, if we learn to build bridges, it'll help us as we witness to a lost world. If we truly focus on, on how we can build bridges, um, the lost world would come to the place of asking for a hope of the reason that lies within us. That's, that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. We're to be compelling. It's our responsibility. So this evening I'd like to look at a couple passages of Scripture. If you've um, turned in your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. And then um, we'll also look at Luke chapter 7 as well. So as you find your place, go ahead and stand with me if you would. And we'll look at Colossians chapter 3 and start reading in verse 13. Verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3 begins this way. It says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. What Christ is talking about here, and Paul is instructing us, is we need to get along when we don't get along. And how do we get along when we don't get along? Well, we forgive. Christ forgave us, he says, and we're to do the same thing. You know, if you think about it, that's enough to break your brain. If you think about it, of all the people and all the circumstances where we don't get along with people, just, just take forgiveness and place that over all of those differences, every one that we can, and, and the vast majority of them we can place forgiveness. Christ taught us how to do that. He tells us we're to love one another, and the Bible tells us that hides a multitude of sins. And as you finish this passage here, it says that we're to put on charity, we're to put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Or in other words, it's a guarantee that you and I are committed to maturity. If we aren't willing to stop, put aside our differences, Focus on how we can be a help to someone that badly needs our forgiveness. The Bible says if we aren't willing to do this, if we aren't willing to forgive, if we aren't to, willing to love as Christ's love, then we're not committed to Christian maturity. 
It's the bond. It's the assurance. It's a guarantee that says, I'm willing to do what I need to do to mature as a Christian. That's what Paul's instructing us. Turn to Luke chapter 7. A little bit longer passage here. Luke chapter 7. Beginning in verse 40. Jesus had just had this encounter with the Pharisees. We're familiar with it. And, and He talks to them and, and directs His attention through parables. And Jesus said, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And, and Simon was his host. And he said, Master, say on. Verse 41, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. He said unto him, Thou hast judged rightly. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hast washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. He, saith unto her, he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. They that sat at me with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? He said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace." Oh, if you're looking at this passage of Scripture and making application, we can all see that we are the woman in this story. We've all been forgiven much. The only question is, how much do we appreciate that forgiveness? And how much do we grant others forgiveness? Let's look for in prayer as we get started this evening. Lord, I thank You for Your Word and for the challenge here to um, just focus on establishing and building relationships. Not focusing on differences, not focusing on areas where we um, have a hard time getting along with others and we struggle to forgive, but Lord, focusing on who you are and how much you love us and how much that love were to transfer that love to others often through the vehicle of forgiveness. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're talking about bridges tonight, just kind of want to introduce it through. Um, some stories about bridges. In the state of Oklahoma, if you follow the news very much, um, there was a report that came out by the Federal Highway Administration in 2004. And it ranked Oklahoma as 49th out of 50 states in the general condition of our bridges and roads as far as the maintenance that they needed. Well, of course, that got a lot of attention. I, I heard about it in the news, many of you probably did, and we said, duh, <laughs> we all knew it. You know, if it wasn't too long ago, if you went under the overpasses along I-40 as they went through town, all you had to do was look at them to realize, you know, these things were built shortly after World War II, and we're still driving on these. They were metal, they were rusty. Um, there are just some pictures here, some before and after, I'll just, of, of bridges. Let's see if we have them here. Okay, so um, these are just some before and after pictures of some bridges, and there are a lot of pictures. All you'd have to do is search Oklahoma um, Bridge Report 2004, and you, of course you saw the bridges yourself. 
Um, but there was the, the state began to devote a lot of resources on repairing those bridges. And so this next slide is just a, a picture. I must be going the wrong way or something. Okay. This slide is a picture of all the bridges, 1,600 plus bridges that needed replacement or major rehabilitation based on that report. That's, that's an incredible slide. And you see in the city of Tulsa, um, that's every bridge going through the middle of town, right? Um, <laughs> the bridges we drove on every single day. And so all that work um, was taking place. If you've been driving around the state the last 10 plus years, you've noticed it feels like all the bridges are being worked on, right? Um, and, and in Tulsa, it's that way right now. So let's see, I am going the wrong direction. That's, this is all my fault. I apologize. Okay, now going the right way. Um, this is where we are at today. Um, the state of Oklahoma undertook a major project over a period of time, and these are the projects that still um, need um, work. In 2019, the same report came out, and the state of Oklahoma was ranked number nine in the country. After the, all those bridges were repaired, the state of Oklahoma was ranked number nine. We devoted a significant amount of money, resources, and of course we all drove down these bridges that were two lane and we passed. I don't know if you saw the, you noticed all those lights, you know, on either end, you had to drive through on one lane. We've all done it for years. But fortunately, our, our state is a lot safer. But you know, this isn't a static um, project. It's not a static process. And so this next slide shows you all the bridges um, that are planned for rehabilitation and replacement um, between over the next 10 years. So these are all bridges in the state of Oklahoma that work is planned and in the process and, and funds are being allocated so that number nine can improve. So we don't go backwards to number 49. You know, it's one thing to do all the work and to get up here to um, the previous slide, but all of us would be frustrated if we just quickly went right back down over the next 10 years, back to the bottom of the pecking order, the bottom of the list. And again, this is an issue of safety. This is real stuff. But you know, let's think just for a minute about these pictures as it deals with relationships. When you think about forgiveness, all of us, this picture right here could illustrate one relationship in all the areas where you and I, the Bible says we're to forgive 70 times 7. You could cover this in completely in green dots, but this just illustrates we all have to forgive each other numerous times. Just anticipate it. If you're going to have a good relationship, if you're going to have a healthy relationship, if, you're wa if you want your relationship to look like this next slide right here, you have to anticipate all those opportunities for offense, all those opportunities for forgiveness. We all have to cross those bridges with each other, and not just with our spouse, and not just with members of our family, but you take that same map and use it to illustrate all the relationships in your life. Every day, in every relationship, we're gonna be crossing each, uh, someone's path where we're gonna come into conflict. We're gonna observe differences. We're gonna be frustrated. Someone's gonna do something that offends us, that bothers us, that we see as wrong, and we're gonna have a choice to make. If, if we're going to grow and mature as Christians, our map should look like this, where we're just planning right now, with my wife, with my kids, with my boss, with that lost coworker, with the drivers that are driving down the highway next to me, if we're gonna mature, if we're gonna grow, 
If we're going to cause others to ask us a question of the hope that lies within us, it's because we're working, we're investing. Like the state of Oklahoma, not in bridges, physical bridges that we all count on and we hope are safe. We hope those structures are sound because we count on passing over them. But for our relationships to be safe, for our relationships to be sound, we have to have that same kind of commitment. We have to be willing to continually invest in developing the structure that allows us to be forgiving and, and, and growing in our relationships with others. To be right with God, we're told we have to be right with each other. All of us are told. In Matthew 5, verse 24, he tells us, the Lord tells us to leave our gift at the altar and get right with our brother. And then it says, come back to church. We can't have differences. We can't, we can't have offenses that we allow to fester, that we allow to grow and become um, seeds of bitterness. So any successful project begins with a plan. So just look at Colossians. We'll just turn back here for the next few minutes and look at these passages of Scripture. Colossians chapter 3, it tells us we're to forbear one another, forgive. The word means to hold up, to lift each other up. We're to be here. We're here. We exist here in fellowship, in proximity to each other, to lift each other up, to meet each other's needs, and then to forbear, or, or the word would mean to endure. Or in other words, it's exhausting to be in proximity to each other. It's exhausting to try to relate to each other. It, it takes hard work. It takes continual investment. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes thought. And ultimately, it requires forgiveness. We're to forbear one another. We're to hold each other up. We're to endure in relationships when they're difficult, when there's struggles. Um, Paul is instructing us to do the difficult work of enduring each other's wrongdoings. That's why so many relationships fail. It's easy to bail when things are difficult. It's easy to cancel people, to just write them out of our lives because of our differences, because we can't um, find ways to get along. Jesus chose to endure the cross for every single one of us. He chose to forbear our sins and endure the cross and suffer the shame, the Bible says. Why? So we can receive the benefit of His love and His forgiveness. You know, it can be scary to endure with someone that's wronged us. Man, it makes us feel vulnerable. We know if I've been hurt, if I've been wrong, we're not talking about abuse here. There are situations that have to be dealt with and, and need to be resolved. And there's avenues to take care of that. We're not talking about abuse. We're talking about it when someone didn't say something that we like. They didn't say this or they did say that. Or, or all the daily offenses, the frustration that our spouse knows that, that I don't like my eggs cooked this way. Why did they do that? Um, it, that's simple, but it, it just goes from there. We have all these things that, that we allow to fester and we allow to build up. And if, if we're hurt, why do we want to be hurt again? There are right ways to deal with issues. It's with the person that wronged us, not holding grudges, not withholding forgiveness, and not, most of all, becoming bitter. In 1 Peter 5, verse 7, the Lord tells us, Cast all our care upon Him, for He cares for us. In other words, the Lord understands what our needs are. And he understands that other people can't meet those needs. And we're to cast those cares on him. 
He, he can help us. He can meet those needs. He can, he can help us to overlook those hurts and those offenses. He can, can help us to forgive even when it's difficult. He can help us to right those wrongs. We can do it. He wants us to cast our care upon Him, not to carry that burden. As he goes on, he says, as Christ forgave us, He gave us a model. That's the plan we're to follow. There's no limit to His forgiveness. We aren't to keep score. We're not to say, I've forgiven so much and there's no more. That's not Christ, what Christ modeled for us. The last verse, and above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. The Lord knows us what brings us the most joy and what brings us the most, forgi- the most, um, the most joy and, and what brings us the most freedom. That's what He wants for us. He wants you and me to experience the freedom of not holding grudges. He wants you and me to experience the freedom and the joy that comes with forgiving other people. He understands that if we choose to hold on to grudges, if we, if we choose not to forgive, we limit ourselves in so many ways. So any successful project begins with a plan. What's our plan? What course are you willing to set your, your life, your heart on? What investments are you willing to make? What are, what are you willing to give up? What area of pride are you willing to um, put down so that you can do the hard work of forgiving and growing as a Christian, maturing the bond of perfectness? In other words, Christ wants us to develop. He doesn't want us to stay stuck. But so many times we stay stuck. We live the same year of Christian life over and over and over again, stuck in immaturity because we aren't willing to forgive. And turn to Luke chapter 7. Christ is really teaching us here how to build. He's, he, this lady has come in and He's done what others wouldn't. This lady came in and she humbled herself where others wouldn't humble their, themselves. Simon was the host and he didn't do what this lady did. And now as a Pharisee, he's looking down his nose at Christ and saying, how can you allow this woman to serve you in this way? And Christ is teaching him, hey, all of us have debts. You just choose to view this lady as someone who has a greater debt than you. That's right. All of us have debts. All of us are like this woman, the sinner. All of us have an inconquerable amount of debt, something we can't overcome ourselves. And Christ died on the cross. He suffered in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be restored, so that we could be whole, so that we could have a satisfying life here on this earth. He gave us, He granted us this forgiveness. And these, these men are so, saying, Lord, there's, there's sins that this lady's done that really should be held against her. And Christ is saying, no, she understands how much she's being forgiven. Uh, Imagine if Christ kept score the debts we owe Him. Every time we violate His Word, we said something, we thought something, we withheld something. Think for a minute about the daily forgiveness that we all need. Think about the debt that if we tried to carry, we would each be carrying. You know, God withholds His anger and He forbears every single day. God meets us where we are. Every single day, He offers grace and mercy to us. God always makes the first move to forgive. It's so hard to do. We don't trust God to make up the difference. We don't trust Him to truly right the wrongs. He tells us, He assures us that He's the righteous judge who judges rightly. 
But we're like the basketball player, the football player who wants to instruct the referee. We want to tell God, this is, this is the rule that I'm looking at here, and this is the one he violated. And wait a second, he's not a human being. He's not capable of making mistakes. He says, I'm the righteous judge. I'm going to judge rightly. We'll all answer to God. We just want to put ourselves in that place ourselves. God continues to forgive us even though He knows we'll continue to sin. And sometimes the same sin over and over. And He says we're to forgive as He forgave. It's asking a lot. It breaks our brain if we truly try to do business with it. God will continue to reach out to us for reconciliation. And aren't we grateful for that? That Christ doesn't just visit a wrong, and if we don't make it right, just leave us alone. No, the Bible says He's a Father. He's a loving Father who continues to correct us and try to bring us back to that place of reconciliation. He's constantly going after us and attempting to restore that relationship and make right those things that are wrong and make whole those things that are deficient. God loves us so much. He continues to forgive us even though He knows we'll continue to sin. He'll continue to reach out to us for reconciliation. There's no probation period with God. He's always ready to forgive. You know how I think, and I'm sure many of you do as well. We think, just give me a little time. Just give me a little space. I, you know, I'm going to put you on probation, just um, 24 hours of probation, and then I'm going to forgive. You know, and we kind of like, you know, kind of little feather in our cap. You know, I'm going to forgive, but just give me a little bit of time. I'm human. It takes me time to get over it, right? We've all said it. But God doesn't do that with us. We don't make, God doesn't make us grovel for a period of time until we offer our true forgiveness. No, God offers it immediately. Confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then help us up and cleanse us where we've been wrong. You know, think of all the relationships and how they would suffer if there was a threat that God wouldn't forgive us. I mean, everything would be different, but there's not that threat that's there. We hold that threat out at times, but God doesn't hold that threat. There's a story that was written about how sin would enslave us. It's a story of a little boy that visits his grandparents. Um, at his grandparents' house, he gets his first slingshot, and so he practices in the woods, but as a little boy would have it, he never hits his target. As he leaves his grandparents' backyard, he sees a pet duck, and on an impulse, he takes aim and lets it fly. And the Stone hits the duck, and the duck falls dead. So the boy panics, and, and desperately he tries to hide the duck in the woodpile, only to find that his little sister Sally saw the whole thing. So after lunch that day, Grandma says, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally says, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? She whispers to him, remember the duck. So Johnny does the dishes. Later, Grandpa asks if the children want to go fishing. Grandma says, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiles and says, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, Sally leans over and whispers to Johnny, remember the duck? Johnny stays while Sally goes fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, finally he can't stand it, and Johnny confesses to his grandma. To his surprise, Grandma says, I know Johnny 
giving him a hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make you, make you a slave. <laughs> you know, we've all done wrong. We've all been guilty of wrongdoing. Um, we've all needed forgiveness, and we've all withheld forgiveness. What was Johnny doing? He was taking the path of hiding his wrongdoing. And so what did he do? He was a slave in that story to his transgression. And, and all he needed to do was seek forgiveness. Eventually that burden became too large, and he did. But how would things have been different for Johnny if he had just asked forgiveness right away? And, and for you and for me, how would relationships be different if we granted forgiveness right away? It's not a matter of if we need forgiveness. It's a matter of when. When we need forgiveness ourselves, when we need to extend forgiveness to others. You know, giving forgiveness, like building a bridge, it strengthens relationships. It establishes relationships. It crosses divides that we couldn't cross without it. And, and we all need it. Christ taught us how important it is by His own example. We're here today because we're forgiven. The Bible is full of stories of forgiveness. We just have to adopt that as our own heart, our own love for others. You know, when we grant forgiveness, it's like the repair work on bridges. You know, that repair work is hard work, it's difficult work, it takes lots of planning, takes lots of effort, requires lots of money. But you know, when the bridge is repaired, when the work is done, it's something that everyone enjoys. That hard work, that investment made, pays off, pays dividends for a long and extended period of time. And forgiveness is the same way. We all know in our hearts when we've done wrong. We all know when we need forgiveness. Others do as well. It's a gift. It's a gift to ourselves. It's a gift to others. The question is, how committed are we to maturing, to growing as Christians? Our success, the success of the gospel, is dependent on our willingness, our commitment to growing in the area of forgiveness. Let's all stand together this evening.